0: Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Claire Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go! From the Toxin Tasting Studio, I'm Bull Higgin. And I'm Vicker, And we have Peter. Hey Pete. It's a one and a half pastor episode. So, it's been quite a quite a last couple of weeks, I must say. That's, a, that's an understatement. So, uh... Um, we've had a little bit of everything with the podcast we've had funerals we've had if you hear some giggling uh we have actually people getting ready for a uh a wedding just outside the studio. so if you hear bridesmaids giggling uh and laughing and uh the the smell of hairspray outside the studios is probably it is pretty strong so <laughs> um and uh um we want to dedicate this show to to Hannah's family. Our associate producer had a baby, um, and uh, so, uh, so Salome, uh, and she. Uh, so we're very excited for our show, uh, building uh, the the uh, clerical errors community the right way. <laughs> And it's a morning episode, and so we're, we're building up some energy to, to get ready to go. And uh, we have some today. We have uh, an, a Western update. Vicker has... Is this your first top 12 list you've done? I believe so. vicker has got his first top 12 list. I've got a what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Um, we don't have Berg because he's currently quarant- quarantining right now. So he couldn't be here. Um, and uh, hopefully I am done now. Hopefully...
1: Peter, do you know do I have to quarantine anymore ever? Um, it's not conclusive, but you shouldn't for a little bit yet. Right? Cuz
0: I've been through that door. So, uh, I'm feeling feeling pretty good. Still a little tired. Maybe a little fog. So if I seem a little slower, uh, usually that's when I rely on Berg, but he's not here, so <laughs> I'll try to fill those shoes. And uh Vicar you had a little bit of it too didn't you? A little bit yeah. And you but he's young he he came back pretty quickly so. And then uh Peter and I were in Indiana uh Peter's grandmother uh, was called to glory so um we this week we were at a funeral as well. So funeral, covid, wedding, quarantine, new birth, baby, everything's happened so. So uh we are dedicated, aren't we, Pete? That's right. Ready to get a show out. So, which which begs a question, I preach tomorrow, um, and uh, the question is, what am I preaching on? Because <laughs> I'm not sure yet. <laughs> so,
2: Vicar, um, what's the text? Okay, so the, the gospel reading, it's uh, Matthew 25.
0: And it's the last church Sunday of the
2: church year. Yep, last Sunday of the church year, so the reading it's the parable of the uh, it's the parable of the 10 virgins. So uh, Jesus said, "The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept." afterward the other versions came along also came also saying lord lord open to us but he answered truly i say to you i do not know you watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour
0: all right um oh, by the way we didn't tell what we're drinking i've got a a uh it's called pure aqua spring water <laughs> which is uh from all the
2: one of the many flavors of plastic bottled water yes and, and Vicar, what do you have for uh, us today? Got a can of RC Cola that was lying around. Okay. You're old
0: school with your colas, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Fig- uh, Peter, you got anything?
1: I have a hy brand spring water. Oh, delicious.
0: Maybe we should do we can do a comparison between the hy water and the Aldi water. I think the Aldi water might be imported. All right. So, um, <laughs> the last Sunday of the church here really centers on the, the second coming of our Lord, and some things when we think about the second coming of our Lord is, if, really, there's there's a few main points that we always bring to mind when we talk about the second coming, because there's so much confusion about it. Okay, one thing we know is um, nobody knows, and that's something that's brought out in the text, when the second coming of our Lord is going to be. So, if anybody claims to know that they know when the second coming is going to be, they don't know, but nobody knows. Nobody knows when it's going to be. Sometimes people like to read Revelation and do look at what's called dispensational theology and look at what level we are, what's going to happen next. They don't know, okay? That's point of the, the parable. We don't know. And, and so there are a couple of things that we can take from that. Well, um, it could be a long time. It could be today. This could be the day. What a great and glorious day. I think... You know, in the last twenty years, if there's a year for Jesus to return, this would be the year. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, so that's that's one point. One, no one knows when. Uh, only God knows. The second point is is that uh, um, Jesus is not coming to somehow to set up us any kind of earthly government. He's he is coming to judge the living and the dead, separate the sheep from the goats. Okay, so to, to break up any kind of confusion about millennialism, whether it's pre-millennialism, a thousand years, uh, Jesus comes in a thousand years. Pre-no, pre is a thousand years of a perfect kingdom, and then Jesus comes. And then there's post-millennialism, where it's uh, Jesus comes, reigns for a thousand years, and then the end of the world, and all those things. No, 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 no. Um, when you read Revelation with its symbolism and take some of its symbolism, literally, you're going to run into confusion. No. He is coming to judge the living and the dead on the last day. Another thing that uh, number as I kind of go through the organization of my mind here of this that we know about the second coming is is that uh, there's going to be an intensity. Things get worse up until that day. Um, the world has been dying and continues to die. So Jesus will talk about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and uh, uh, diseases, <laughs> you know, calamities, that those, um, you know, I don't want to talk this too soon to to uh, our dear associate producer, but Jesus calls them birth pains, pains that will get worse until the new life comes. And that's a beautiful way actually to think about it, that uh, the pains that we go through are not meaningless or pointless. You know, this is the world groaning as... As Jesus returns, the groaning as new life, new salvation, a new kingdom that Jesus brings, comes. And so, so when we think about the second coming, we understand that things will get worse. So, when we th- see things happen, when we th- see things like COVID happen, or we see, you know, strange things happening in our world, it's a way to look at that and say, you know what, hey, maybe we're getting closer. You know, uh... Um, we're getting closer to the day Jesus returns. Um, and then uh, another, I'm not sure what point I'm on here, um, but uh, um, that we remember with the, the second coming is that uh, it's really what we want. Right, Vicar? Yeah. It's, it's what we're looking forward to. We want the second of, of coming. That's the fulfillment of, uh, of Christ's promise. And it's not going to be like Jesus came the first time. You know, he, he came the first time according to his humiliation, meaning he was a baby. He, he hid his glory, his divine glory. And the only way, you know, outsiders would know that Jesus was born was unless angels came and a star marked the place. Um, but when Jesus comes a second time, everyone will know. Everyone will know that Jesus is here. And so we take all of that, those type of biblical understandings and apply it to the text the one that the text points out is that no one knows. No one knows. So if you don't know when it's going to be, uh, always be prepared. Um, and in a certain degree, you know, no one knows uh, when your time on this earth ends anyways, in a sense where, in a sense, judgment comes for you when, when no longer you can, anything can be done. So, so uh, that is why you continue to hear the word of God, receive the sacrament, and uh, always be mindful and always be ready because it, it could be today. Any thoughts, Vicar?
2: No, actually, I was kind of just sitting here. It's like, okay, yeah. And every time I wanted to jump in with something, you were right there already.
1: Well, as a listener, it's kind of cool just to hear uh, how you're, you're working through it because you, you're kind of talking about how you haven't really looked at it too much yet. Um, and These are just your, your top-of-the-head all right. This is the text. This is what we're doing.
0: Actually, and this is actually this is good for you, Vicar Wayne. When, when you need to to say something on the spur of the moment, it's actually good to have the um, explanation of the Catechism in mind. Yeah. Because that's basically what I gave you. Yeah. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I've been teaching it long enough to know. Okay, these are the five things that the Bible teaches about the Second Coming. And it, it makes it very easy for you, then, if you know the explanation of the Catechism, to have kind of an organized thought process of answering questions behind the caller moment. So yeah. so yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to preach on the text yet. I've got, what, 23 hours for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was able then to just say, okay, this is what the, part of the explanation of the Catechism teaches, and I'll just kind of go through that
2: for us today. It, it provides a really good framework that's easy to access for this.
0: Right. And yeah. and it's organized. As you notice I had the numbers there, Vicar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1 through 5. And and you can there's that's a, a good way to to kind of get started and have conversation or a teaching moment just to kind of have that organized in your mind so that you can answer questions like that quickly. So All right. So uh you know what's next? We have an update. Do you remember, Vicar, where that updates from?
2: Uh it's somewhere west of here. Yeah.
0: And an update from Rollins Wyoming. Coming
3: to you live from the toxin tastings on the range. This is Baldwin giving you a look at some right, things behind the right, minted...
0: Okay, okay. We've been through this already, haven't we? <laughs> I, I thought I taught you, be- you better about the audio recording. Where, where do you think he's recording that? I think last time we, we were wondering if he was recording it in the restroom. Um... I'm kind of wondering, you know, there's a, where he lives, there is a huge prison. Do you think he kind of, Peter, do you think he kind of sounds like he's in a jail cell? I mean, the the world may never know. World, uh, what do you think? Where do you think he is?
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's somewhere small and echoey. Yeah? I mean, it, has it been that stressful that he needed a, a night away from everything?
1: Yeah. Um, does he need to be bailed out? <laughs> Maybe he's hiding in the church dumpster.
2: Because mm, you think, you I mean, yeah. Exactly.
0: Where is that? you know I mean I'm sure a lot of people have been in prison so you know maybe he's just trying to you know well,
2: if if western movies have any shred of truth to them breaking him out of that will be really easy that's true
0: that's true alright sorry we digressed continue
3: caller so this evening my sister came to visit and uh, watch some of our kids so for her I got uh, some Mike's Hard Lemonade so this is Mike's Hard Black Cherry Lemonade. See how it, uh, how it goes here. And, uh, you know, I am secure enough in my masculinity to, to drink this on air. So here we go.
0: All right, stop, stop it for a second. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you here with the masculinity thing because I'm not supposed to have wheat. And, like all the manly drinks have wheat in it. If you're talking whiskey or beer, you know. So I've been reduced to drinking White Claw and I have a complaint Okay? If if some, if any of our listeners are uh, uh, a, a spiked seltzer distributor, please help me out. Okay, So you get the 12-pack of... I'm mass secure enough in my masculine to know I drink that now because there's nothing else hardly. All right? So you get a 12-pack. Why can't you buy a 12-pack of the sparkling seltzer that's not a variety pack? I like the citrus. I like the lemon. I like the lime and some of the grapefruit, but then... To get any of those, you have to get the mango cucumber, uh, berry waterman watermelon basil, or you know basil. Yeah, I had one with basil. It was horrible. It's like basil in a drink. It's like get like why? Imagine it's if not, you just wanted to, to get a, a drink before. To get a Miller beer, like a Miller Light or something, and then every time you wanted like the one, f- just the regular one, you have to put up with you know, five different other varieties. Just give me a 12-pack of one flavor. People work on this, okay? Get on this, clerical heirs army. We need you. Where can we get a 12-pack of sparkling seltzer? I finally found something to get angry about this morning. So that that is one flavor because they have six packs with it for like $2 less than the 12-pack. What is going on? I don't want these mango madness things. I just want maybe a lemon or a lime 12 pack sparkling seltzer. How hard could that be? Honestly. All right.
1: I'll look into that for you for next episode. Okay.
3: You know, it's not bad. It, it, uh, it kind of makes me think of Kool-Aid mixed with a little bit of mouthwash. So, all right. So here we go for some Wyoming trivia for you, you folks. A uh, little bit of hometown stuff here. So I'm in Rollins, Wyoming. And it notes here in my trivia book that there was a, uh, a guy named George Big Nose Parrot who tried to rob a train. And when that didn't work, he ended up killing two lawmen uh, before he was apprehended and then beat up a guard in an attempted escape. So the citizens of Rollins uh, took Mr. Parrott and lynched him, skinned him, and then tanned his hide and made garments out of the leather. And uh, it notes here in the book that uh, several known outlaws left town when the clothing went on display. So a little bit of Wild West justice for you, or if you can right, call Peter, that justice, tape. I guess.
0: Um. Okay, my my guess, okay, this is my just my guess. My guess is that story was given to him by a member who probably slipped it underneath his office door. Okay, I right, just so you know, Pastor, we have been known <laughs> in our town to skin people alive and and make clothing out of his tanned hide. Wow, that's that's rough. Have you ever done that before, Vicar?
2: No, no, oh. I've, I've never had to d- reach discipline quite that harsh,
0: Peter. I don't think you'd have to worry about that. Do you know why? Your your, your skin is so pale. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, wearing my skin, you'd be basically be see through.
2: <laughs> right. What's the point? <laughs> so, so, uh, Vicar, what do you have there? Okay, so I looked up because it's like this, this sounds like something Babylon B almost, but according to Wikipedia, which we know is a very accurate source, yeah, yeah, it is an error. Uh, big Nose George, uh, George parrot, uh, big-beak parrot. You know, um, yeah, was a cattle rustler and highwayman in the American West in the late 19th century. His skin was made into a pair of shoes after his lynching, and part of his skull was used as an ashtray. Okay. Uh, considering he was born in France, I wonder if that might explain some of it. Oh, the big nose. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite thinking that direction, I was more thinking just his complete unscrupulous action, but <laughs> there's that as well, because I, because th- I think his home, I think his hometown might be more northern France, which isn't quite stereotypically oh. that, so, but that's if I remember my geography right, huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if if this is right, the story fits that. But yeah, 1881. Wow. That's wow. Re- that's pretty ridiculous. You better
0: watch your back, Baldwin. All right.
3: All right. So this week is a new, newer pastor. I got to do my first uh, committal. Uh, for those of you who who haven't heard of that, a committal is the service. Um, that takes place after a funeral. It might be called the graveside service. Um, a dear saint was uh, who was originally from here, lived out in Idaho, and then uh, died out there, but wanted to be buried uh, back here with her family. So funeral was in Idaho, and then I got to do
0: the committal.
1: Pause. Question of mine: How do they trans transfer a body over states? Um. They just you know buy a plane ticket and sit him in a chair. <laughs> or... Well, um,
0: there's a there's a couple of ways, okay? Um, you can put your loved one in a lawn chair on top of your family truckster and then <laughs> leave him in the backyard with a note. <laughs> uh, Lampoon's family vacation joke. Or um, I actually have had uh, someone where they said, oh, I'll bring dad over and actually... Put them in the back of their minivan and brought it over. I would advise doing that. <laughs> we we're all nervous. <laughs> Don't get pulled <laughs> over. Um, but generally, uh, um, uh, if I think that they're licensed, um, they can bring bring the body over in a hearse. Um, so I, th- I just think you need a license or something to show that. Yeah, and actually, unfortunately, most of the time when this happens. A lot of times they'll just cremate them because it's easier. Um, but I will say there are ways to do it, so don't don't think that if you need to bring if you want to travel to to bury, um, you know they can do it. It may cost a little money, but they can do it.
1: So I'm wondering if there's like a, a separate service of just these guys that drive bodies around for a living.
0: Hmm, what like would they call it? Company. Like uh um.
1: Left instead of lift. Because <laughs> they maybe they have planes instead. So it's, it's like, like an app. It's like, is there an app for it? Maybe Joe's body services. They die, we
0: fly. <laughs> Uncle Bill's gone. We better call. I got the left phone app, so they'll be here.
2: <laughs>
0: there, Vicar. There's your million dollar idea. Yeah. Thanks for the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right continue.
3: Now, it was an interesting day to have one of those. We'd been having high wind warnings for the past uh, two or three days. And when I got back, I looked up, we'd been having 45 mile an hour sustained winds, gusts up to 65 or 70. And this cemetery is on a, on a hill. There's, there's really no cover, not a lot of trees. And so my, my stole is blowing up and hitting me in the face. And uh, I'm trying to hold the agenda open and and keep uh, the pages from blowing everywhere. Um, The two guys who were assisting had to hold the flowers on top of the casket because they they kept going everywhere. And I I tried, following the example that I'd been given on Vicarage, to sing, abide with me at the conclusion. But I decided I would have had to have, like, death metal, you know, screamo chops to be able to be heard over the wind. So I gave up on that. But, you know, in spite of everything... um, It was a wonderful thing. I got to proclaim the the gospel, the the resurrection of Jesus Christ to, you know, there were like four people there, and then five people assisting um, with the burial, and and we got to hear that this saint, because she is joined to Jesus Christ, you know, joined to his death and joined to his resurrection, and that uh, she too will rise at the last day. So, a wonderful experience, even if, you know, I almost <laughs> was blinded with, uh, with getting vestments in my face, but that's all I got for this time. So we'll be talking to you with another report later.
0: All right. Th- thank you. Now, A couple of points I want to make. Okay. Uh, another million dollar idea. Okay. Did you ever watch a football game and the, like, uh, the, the coach or the offensive coordinator will have like a a laminated menu board type thing That they coach from Yeah Because it, it, it can get wet It can blow around You're going to know where you are Okay How about uh, Have that for uh, funeral services So so yeah. you can get wet and rain It won't blow around Yeah One idea okay. a Good idea uh, The other thought I had was uh, I hope you don't didn't get any new shoes Out of the deal
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's a little dark <laughs> Peter, throw in some booze
2: there.
1: <laughs> so, Or maybe just another five-second silence. That might be good, too. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that, uh, that
0: kind of flows. We've got the top 12 list, but it kind of flows nicely into my section, if you don't mind, Vicar. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, something I haven't done for a while. Uh, what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? we do it's time for what it is what it ain't what it could be so my my topic today for what it is what it ain't and what it could be and feel free gentlemen to to hop in is uh um about funeral services there's a lot of actual confusion about funeral services and uh um, i figure well peter you're you haven't been to too many funerals have you no not really and uh, so, some of these thoughts might be on your mind. If you want to chime in about anything, or had any questions, Pete or Vicar too, because uh, you know you've been to probably a few more, but not a huge amount, have you?
2: Not too many, but yeah, both both grandparents on my dad's side. Okay. In the last decade, so okay, so yeah.
0: And so, um, there's a lot of confusion about what a funeral service is, or what it. What should happen? I mean, this is not an exhausted list. This is just a few thoughts I had about, about funeral services. Okay? So we'll start off with what it is. What it is. Uh, the first point I want to make is is it is a service of the Word. And what I mean by that is it is a service where you, you, you rely on the Word of God to kind of lead you and guide the people in the thoughts. Okay, and, uh, um, and and that's at the heart of it because, regardless of how we feel or think about the situation of losing a loved one, the what we need really most at that time is the word of God, and uh, um, there's a lot of uh, times where people want to to throw in eulogies and and in the sermon really remember that person. Um, now it's good to remember that person as an example of faith, but really it's still about Christ because you know you could have an infant, for example, that really doesn't have you know a lively example of, of faith outside of baptism, which is the clearest form of faith. An infant has the, the clearest form of faith in the sense of of uh, receiving it by grace and not relying on any works, but. But the service of the word, what does God's word have to say about our loved one and about our situation? That is the heart of it. Christ serving us in his word and letting us know and helping us understand death um, and our and uh, the, the saints' place in that. What it is. It is for the one who is deceased. Now, this is... This is a little controversial, I think, because there is there is a common thought that, well, you know, uh, Roger's gone. He doesn't care, okay? But I can tell you, as a pastor, uh, it matters to them. When they are still alive, they find comfort in knowing that the Word of God will be given to them. They find comfort in knowing that I want my family to hear this. I want God's word to be proclaimed. I want the service to reflect Christ Jesus and His resurrection. And so it's it's kind of like this. Um, sometimes when when people face death, okay, and they know that they're going to die, you know, sometimes you have that that time. Sometimes it's more of a sudden. You don't have that time to reflect, okay. Um. One of the things that they, they are very much concerned about is those they leave behind. You know, my example of faith isn't going to be around anymore. Um, uh, I want to make sure my children or grandchildren or my, my friends, I want to make sure that they're going to be okay. That's a concern that people have. When people die, generally, or going through the dying process, and they're aware of it, that is one of their big concerns. It's not about themselves. They're worried about their loved ones. You know, a husband, if he is on his deathbed, is worried about <coughs> his wife. By the way, who buys a deathbed? There's another market for you. Um, but it, And so when they're concerned about their loved ones, it does bring them comfort. What I say, I want you to know the gospel will be proclaimed. And and, uh, and the funeral service for those who are dying or even those who aren't necessarily, you know, sick, they're just older or whatever the case may be. Um, having a time to, to be reassured that at your funeral, these things are going to happen does provide comfort to them. And so in a sense, it is for the deceased. And it is kind of, uh, a confession of faith that they are making to their loved ones through the Word of God. And so so that is an important aspect. Number three, what it is, it's a time to trust your pastor. What do I mean by that? Okay. Peter, I'll give you an example. How many funeral sermons have you planned?
1: Uh, Big fat zero.
0: Okay. Actually, Vicar... You're going into this business, right? How many funeral services
2: have you planned? I've considered a couple for family members at some point because I know I'll get asked to do it. But I really haven't sat down and actually okay. thought through anything beyond. So, oh, yeah, to, someone's someone's going to ask me this.
0: I've tried to figure out. So it's, <laughs> still, right.
2: it's still technically a zero.
0: Okay. So yeah, begs the question. So which in your, who in your family's funeral are you planning right now?
2: I have a sneaking suspicion that I might get asked to say something at my father-in-law's funeral, which is really hilarious because he's Roman Catholic. <laughs>
0: oh. But beyond- And you're drinking an RC Cola. Yeah.
2: I mean, be, beyond like my, like my parents and possibly, you know, a couple, like a couple of my older relatives, like someone's going to ask because uh, by the time they get there, it, it'll be five to 10 years in. Right. Oh, you're a pastor now. You can do this. Yeah. And I'd rather not just be blindsided. oh, I have to write a funeral for a family member.
0: Right. Well, even, oh, I will say this, okay? Um, um, last week, uh, the funeral f- service was for my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, Carolyn. And uh, um, even there, you know, I was kind of hands-offish. My, my job there was to to be there for my wife and my family. They didn't need me to be their pastor. My wife needed her husband. What do I do? I just trusted the pastor. You know, he knew her too. He knows the word of God. You know, I don't need to uh, micromanage that. You know, he was her shepherd. There you go. Um, But my point in asking you two how many funeral services you've planned, your pastor is actually trained. Your pastor has done—I've done this, if you think about it, uh, I've been— here, almost 20 years, I average between 10 and 12 funerals a year. So, I've done a lot of this. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to make sure that the Word of God is proclaimed. What happens sometimes is everyone, all, all of a sudden, wants to become a service planner. We want this or that, this thing or that thing. And, uh, and uh, when the pastor is trying to get the clear message out, and have kind of an organized thought, and uh, have a service that holds together, that speaks clearly from the beginning to the end, uh, the salvation that the loved one has in Jesus Christ. And when everyone becomes in the family a, a, a service organizer, planner, with strong feelings, um, it's really good just to, to trust your pastor. Now, that being said, if you're unsure that your pastor will preach the gospel, it's also good to say, hey— 'Cause sometimes pastors say, Well, do you have any interesting cool little anecdotes about uh you know the loved one? And you know, that's not really you know, I might say, Well, yeah, she was baptized. <laughs> you understand my point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it's the time so trust your pastor, but also if you are worried that he's not gonna preach the gospel and they're gonna give just more of a eulogy Tell them, hey, pastor, I want—I want to make sure um, for the, the remind the loving memory of my loved one that you you preach Christ, um, and uh, and actually, pastors appreciate that to hear that more often than not. But uh, it's good if you're unsure that's going to happen wherever your your loved one may be. It's always good then to remind them so that the pastors encouraged to do that. Okay, what it is, it is also for the church. You know, how often do we talk about um, each other as being brothers and sisters in Christ? A lot, right?
2: Yeah, pretty frequently.
0: Yeah. And so um, I think, now this is, the COVID might play to this a little bit. But I would encourage church members to go to the funerals of your church, even if you don't oh, I don't know them very well, I wasn't close to them, but you are, you, you know, I, I i like at funerals to see my members there supporting the family. I like to see my members there uh, being a witness to the faith, to the family, Um. And uh, I like my members to to be there, to to hear the confession of faith on behalf of their loved one in that service. And so I encourage, you know, if you, as a a member of a congregation, um, to, when possible, to to go to those services. Because um, it is a service of the Word, and it is proclaimed in a way that you're not going to hear all the time. And it is a time where you hear the Word of God in a, in a beautiful way that you may not hear on Sunday mornings. That is good for you. And also to remember that you are part, part of the body of Christ and, and, and the loved one from your congregation is a member of that body. And it's good to go to those even if you weren't close or didn't know them well. It's your your brother or sister in Christ. And so so. For the family's sake, you know, imagine going to a funeral and say it's a small family and then all of a sudden, you know, a hundred people from the congregation came. What a, what a profound impact something like that happens when they say this really was important to them. This is really a part of their life um, in a way that maybe they didn't realize. And so, so please, um, I really, if you're listening to this behind the collar moment, that really means a lot to pastors when people come to the funeral regardless of how well they knew them or whatever. We have a certain amount of people who go to every funeral and I love that. I love that. That's very important. So if you have the opportunity to make it to a funeral of someone in, in the church that you go to, um, please try and go to those. Go to those. It's really important. It is. And sometimes you get it into a situation where you only have 25 people come. and And I think... And, you know, you have like, 17 family and then eight other people. And they think, well, they have way more brothers and sisters in Christ than that. Um, that just shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. And uh, and so that's when the church steps in, the congreg- local congregation steps in to be a part of that service. To me, it's important. Any comments on that, Vicar? Have you ever thought about it that way?
2: Um, Not necessarily with funerals, but just the... You know, right now, thinking about the bigger picture with, like, All Saints Day and the last day of the church here and how it's like—and even just when we talk about communion, how we're all, you know, one group, one family, you know, and how that with the saints who are here, the church militant, and the saints who have gone on. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that bridge between the two. Right. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it makes perfect sense that it is it's a great witness to that fact.
0: Right. All right. What it ain't. What it ain't. It's not sentimental. What do I mean by that is is, uh, um, where you're just sharing the memories and people like the sentimental songs and hymns, which generally, the sentimental hymns don't proclaim the gospel very well. Um, It is more of a time to tell the truth of God's Word with confidence, okay? Sentimentalness, um, I guess somewhat, there, there could be some place for that in other ways, whether it's at the viewing, you know, a lot of times at the viewing, there'll be a slideshow of, of you know, pictures and that kind of thing. That's certainly a time you could be sentimental. I don't really care much about that. That's fine. But when you're, you're gathered in his house... Around the Word of God, okay. It's time to speak the truth. That's time the time where people need to hear it, and and the really sentimentality um, is is uh, you know it has its place. But when you talk about what's going on in the funeral, the the service of the Word, it is about speaking the truth, speaking the resurrection speaking the one thing that uh, that is eternal. Um, uh, I went through a, one time in Bible study, I went through and asked the people, how many of you remember the first names of your great-grandparents? And like only a small percentage of people could actually do that. We think that all oh, these memories will live forever. No, they won't. Your loved one will live forever but sentimentality only goes so far. They need to hear the truth of God's word. What it ain't. It isn't a time to give the resurrection lip service. Okay, this is what I mean by that. Okay? I have heard so many funeral sermons that it really wasn't actually about the resurrection. It was, oh, by the way, they're in heaven now. Real talk. Um, Where they kind of give the sermon that they kind of want to give, and they don't lift up the death and resurrection before the eyes of the people and say, this is how we know your loved one is in Christ. This is how we know. We know that Jesus died bearing all of her sins. We know he rose from the dead, breaking the bonds of death. We know that in her baptism, God made a promise. We know that God made a promise every time she received the Lord's Supper. We know the promise that the dead will be raised up from their graves in a real bodily resurrection. This is what we know. That should be the heart of the sermon. And so, so many times... I hear in sermon sermons and funerals where it's oh by the way you know they're in heaven now. I'm supposed to say that. Obviously, we're supposed to say that. Everybody kind of knows, but does really people really understand that? Do people really know that? If you just say oh by the way they're in heaven now, is that real hope? Does that really point their eyes? Or is it just like this jargon gobbledygook that you're just kind of spitting up for people? Take them to the cross. Take them to the empty tomb. Take them to their baptism. Take them to the promises of God. Spell it out for those people. They need to hear it. It's not a time to give those things lip service. I'm supposed to say this. Oh, you want to hear it? I'll throw that in here. I'll salt and pepper my funeral sermon with some of those things. And then... Everyone will be happy. I did the thing I'm supposed to do. I did the thing. I hear that so often. That's not, that's not a funeral sermon. You walk them through. You tell them why that's what it is. So, uh, Vicar, remember that when you're writing a funeral sermon. But I hear that a lot. I have heard those because I'll go to members like a loved one of a member's funeral. And that's what happens. They'll give a sermon of, you know, nice stories. You know, they'll say something about Jesus as being a shepherd or whatever. And then, and then, and we know that they're in heaven. And then, and I actually wondered, the people sitting in the pews, do they know that? Do they really know that? Do they really understand it? Have you made a compelling case for that? Have you made a compelling case for that? Or are you just gonna just kind of say it? say that, because you're supposed to. You've got to make a compelling case from God's Word for those who are there, that they know, that they can take home with them, that it's not some abstract idea, a real flesh and blood resurrection promised by the Word of God, this is how you know. And you don't get a lot of that, okay? So, it's not a time to just give the death and resurrection of Jesus lip service, all right, next one. And I kind of touched on this already. Um, it is not a time for everyone to be a service planner. Let the
1: professionals do that. Now, to what extent is it okay?
0: Okay. Well, I do that in a sense of, and this is for the sake of what I talked about earlier, the, when you realize if the sermon is for the sake also of the one who is dying, right? We do have sheets. And, and I, I primarily do this when people are worried about what their family—because I have a lot of times where members are—they don't have any Lutheran family members, and they're afraid that their family is going to want to do all sorts of crazy things, right? So they'll say, these are my favorite hymns. This is my confirmation verse, if which we should have record of it anyways. Um, this is a, a Bible passage that had meaning. And, and I'll take all those things into consideration, and I use a lot of them. Okay, that would be an example where I allow people to do that. Okay, but but even there, I say you know, uh, hymns from Lutheran service book or the Lutheran hymnal, right? I don't say, you know, what songs do you want to you know, it, it, even there it's it, and I have on that sheet suggestion and uh, of, of hymns that are. That are really good, they're right there on the sheet. Readings that are that are good to hear at a funeral right there on their sheet. And if some of those hymns or readings are ones, particular ones that they want included, that's great. But that doesn't make them a service planner. They're offering suggestions. As opposed to I had one time when I was first a pastor in Illinois, someone wanted to sing some song about how grandma's watching me through a crack in the uh, the upstairs floor, something like that. And it's like, no hey that's wrong you know but that's what, generally that's when you get the sentimentality come comes in and um or people want to do some sort of a nice, a nice eulogy or whatever um and uh that always distracts from the word of god so <laughs> so it, it it's not a time for everyone to be a service planner um as as a pastor i can tell you i'm perfectly happy when people think, oh, I have to, and there's a freeing thing about this where people say, oh, well, I don't know what kind of readings or hymns or whatever, and I say, you know what? Why don't you let me do it? I'll take care of that for you. Um, okay. Um, so, so, so it's not a time for everyone just to be a funeral planner. Um,
2: any comments on that, vicar? Uh, actually, interesting. I have a classmate that's been working on his funeral service for a while he had two family members both die very suddenly and very close together and so his intention has always been it's already ready it's already done and he he likes talking about the hymns a lot mm-hmm. he, he's a second career guy former navy so eternal father strong to save is in there but he also has if, if i remember it's the closing hymn it's i know that my redeemer lives right and he's explained why it's like that makes perfect sense it's like this is a good idea i like this yeah
0: pre-planning is
2: good yeah Pre planning with the pastor. Yes, you know. Yeah,
0: you know. It's not like we pre plan and yeah. and say, okay, this is all the things I'm going to have. You know,
2: and and all the things that he's worked on, they're the things that they point to Christ, and they're kind of, I don't want to say secondary things, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're not the things that are the sermon. They're not the things that are kind of that focal point because they, they're the, not going to distract.
0: And there's another aspect to this is that behind the collar moment. Okay. When we, we work on a funeral service, okay, um, our work starts on that way before. There might be a specific passage that we share. There are certain hymns we might sing. There are certain ideas we get started that work from the uh, either sickness um, throughout that all culminates in, in working towards a funeral service. So when I talk about... Uh, how we, we plan and think about this. It's, it's, it's a process that we go through in our, in our giving God's word to that loved one throughout that culminates in the, the funeral service. All right, what it could be. What it could be. One thing I'll mention is it could be a, a time to show the beauty of God's church, okay? So one thing uh, that I, I try and do, is uh, when it comes to the the bulletins, the funeral service bulletins, I try to make them as beautiful as I can. This is a special time. Um, the The use of a funeral pall, a beautiful funeral pall, like a wedding dress. We've got a wedding here today, um, like that is, is a is a way to do that. Um, and and beauty that the like the beauty of the funeral pall is a beauty that that is, in the righteousness of Christ. It's beauty that fits within the context of God's promises of his death and resurrection. Not beauty in a sentimental way, right? But um, if if you're rejoicing in everlasting life, then put some work into those things, and it's a time for that. What it could be. One of the clearest examples of law and gospel for the people of God. Um, in a sense, it's, it's kind of like where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. And, uh, um, and that's one reason why I mentioned earlier, it's good for members to go, even if they weren't close or didn't know them very well to funerals. Um, because you will hear it, it'll, it's a way of re-recognizing life doesn't last on this earth forever. And, um... It is a, a real way because we talk about death a lot on Sunday mornings uh, it's it's not like speaking about death when you have the loved one right there in front of you um, so it really is a r- clear example of law and gospel and the hope that we have expressed in one of the most powerful ways.
2: It takes it helps take it from being an abstract thing to being tangible yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and what it could be, it could be extremely beneficial for the building up of faith through the Word of God, which is why I kind of went on my rant earlier, right? Um, giving those things lip service doesn't do that. Walking them through the promises of God does do that. And, and uh, you have that opportunity to do so, we have people who may not go to church very often, who may not even understand how it is that that loved one is in heaven. It is a very powerful and beneficial way of building up the faith through the Word of God. What it could be. could be a time to rest. Um, one, time, one of the things that I might read with the family before the funeral service there's a time where you have a little prayer service while they close the casket um, and uh, um, I'll read from Psalm 49 or 46 excuse me be still and and know that I am God uh, the funeral service is a time where you get you have you have all sorts of things going through your mind you got travel you got what happens the next what do we do with the flowers and um, Memories, people you haven't seen in forever, all those things coming together, and then you get to the service, and then you have a time to rest in the Word of God, to kind of put all that behind you. What does Jesus have to say? And um, and the funeral service is a kind of a time to do that, a time for for rest in the midst of all of that, to to clear a mind. Okay, what does God's Word say? What does He promise? And that that's a that is a wonderful time to do that. So that's so. Those are just a few thoughts on on funeral services um, and uh, encouragement to pastors. Um, a time behind the collar so people can think about uh, what do pastors think about what What is it that they they try to do, and and why is it so important to them? I think is very beneficial to the listener. Any last comments? I'm talky today. Well, good. We need you to be. <laughs> <laughs> So, that brings us to the top 12 list. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's
2: time for... Top 12. All right, what do we got for us today? Okay, well, in honor of the most recent addition to the Clerical Errors family, Uh I thought it would be appropriate to share uh, things my wife and I have actually said to our children. Oh. And... (laughs) these were honestly said to our children most of them within the last few months
0: okay you you, you wind up right yeah as you a wind-
2: as a parent yeah yeah it's quite frequent that you say something as a parent that you never would have expected yeah. to string together as a sentence
0: yeah like hey don't eat dog poop uh, yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah toward the extreme end, yeah and so these <laughs> these are without context. Yes, my wife and I have said the following, and I'm not providing any context because it won't make any more sense.
0: Okay, and and the internet is forever. It is. So, it, are these it, ranked as well?
2: Um, they're not in a particular ranked order, but they might be in order of to the funniest or at okay. least the most confusing. A few of these have actually been shared already with family via okay. the internet. So, so Peter, I it's want already. You, can you official maybe, record?
0: Can you give a look? See if you can try and guess between you and you will take turns of
2: what actually was going on when this was said
1: (laughs) all right number
2: 12 don't try to feed popcorn to the pumpkin on the couch all right that's self-explanatory it seems self-explanatory yeah yes number 11 you can't eat a whole package of bacon by yourself it's too greasy
1: okay um so are we we talking like a whole package
2: of regular bacon or are we talking like bacon bits regular bacon we we did not have any bacon bits
0: we 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 had it went through a time where we couldn't really get bacon bits because they would just eat, eat it. I'm not. I'm sure. sure you were one of those. Peter, were you?
1: Oh, we all we
2: all did it. <laughs> Number ten. Stop licking the pumpkin. It's not an ice cream cone. Number nine. No, Simon does not say make a puddle.
0: So you're probably playing Simon
2: Says. Yeah. Um and. Uh, a child dropped their pants. <laughs> thankfully no
0: and uh, someone said make a puddle but Simon didn't actually say it
2: no no it was literally the instru- in response to the instruction Simon says make a puddle
0: okay yeah by the way I'm yeah. I'm, I'm starting to
2: realize why you look tired all the time <laughs> it is a very energetic group yes number eight pants are not a hat
0: yeah, that's uh. So, Peter, you have any situations where that uh, put on your pants, and then they just put it on their head? I imagine. Number seven.
2: No, the cat does not want your broccoli. <laughs> Number six. Stop dipping Lightning McQueen in your noodles.
1: <laughs> All right. Is this a beloved beloved like Lightning McQueen, or just you know uh, a random Lightning McQueen?
2: Uh, if I remember right, it was actually one made of Lego. So that just. Yeah, adds to the complexity. Number five. Don't let your brother put his fingers in your mouth. Number four. Your baby brother is not a dog. You are not allowed to put a leash on him. <laughs> All right. Number three. We do not put tiki trees down the vent. Down the vent? Yes. What's a tiki tree? It's a little a little tree that looks like a tiki tree. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's... <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait wait <laughs> what that's like saying you know what? what's a bar of soap oh well, you know it's this little thing
2: that looks like a bar of soap <laughs> that's not helping us much Victor. these were drawn there's, there's a little cartoon that, that the kids like to watch and it's you know based off like Peter Pan and so there's trees there that are like tiki faces on them Oh. so there's these little drawings of these and for whatever reason they were being stuffed down the vent it's a, right. It's amazing what you find sometimes in heating vents in houses. Uh, I
0: Especially went through that a, house. I imagine probably the most irate I have ever been as a parent was you would never know where you would find the remote. <laughs> <laughs> because, because you are by the time you when you have little children by the time you can actually sit down and chill in front of the TV you're really needing to
2: chill. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. But that, but that remote has been hidden at least three or four times within the last hour. Right. And it's probably in the most ridiculous or most obvious place. Right. All the couch cushions
1: it. are on the floor. Right. It's been hidden on purpose. Right.
2: <laughs> you're, you're you're pulling. But they don't. Who knows what
0: out of the cracks of the couch while you're looking for the remote?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think one of the places I we found it was, we had this little push cart and had a flip up seat. It was in there. Um, I think one fine time we actually found it in our daughter's dresser drawer.
2: Sippy cups with milk are another bad one to oh, play hide and seek with.
0: Yeah, yeah. You get the the cheese on the top and the like the yes. murky water on the bottom. Yeah, yes. that's not
2: good. Yeah, hide and seek is dangerous sometimes. Number two, there are no squirrels allowed in my classroom. Okay, and you can take that as literally or as figuratively as you want with. Mm. who's allowed in the class. That's nuts. And number one. Stop licking the lawn darts. Oh. You have lawn darts? (laughs) In that house? Thankfully, they don't make lawn darts like they used to. So they aren't sharp, and that might make it worse.
0: (laughs) I remember one time I had to say to uh, one of my children... I'm, Peter probably knows. Um, stop eating brown snow. We are we are walking into Subway in a parking lot, and there's like an old crusty brown snow like by the the uh, uh, cement parking thing. Yeah, the stuff that used to be slush. Right. And the child said, Mmm, snow." Picked it up and started eating
2: it. Ugh. That that list could have been much longer, but it's only twelve. For yeah, the, for the purpose of this. <laughs>
0: yeah, so maybe we should have a segment. What did what was said at Vickers house this week? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. Um, uh, we will hope you have a happy, blessed Thanksgiving and uh, a, a beautiful start uh, to the church year and a beautiful as we close out this church year. I am Bullhagen. I'm Vicar. And may your lawn darts remain unlicked.
2: Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs podcast, on Twitter at clerical p for podcast, or email us at Feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.